The Detroit Pistons apparently are not done making moves. They traded for James Wiseman and now are signing RJ Hampton after he was waived by the Orlando Magic. How does he fit into the Pistons' plans for the rest of this year? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And before we go any further, for those of you guys watching on YouTube, I do not want to see any comments about me shaving my beard. I did not mean to do it. I was trying to trim it. I ended up messing up too badly. I had to shave it all off. I don't want to see any comments from any of you guys. Leave me alone. Um, we're going to be talking about RJ Hampton. The Pistons signed him um, today as I'm recording this. That's February 21st. And I don't know much about RJ Hampton. So instead of me trying to come on here and talk about things that I don't know, I went out and got someone who does know a little bit about RJ Hampton. And it's Richard Stamen, Locked On's draft guy. He also is a are you a fan of the Magic, or do you just follow the Magic? Yeah, funny enough, actually, the Magic were uh, my first team. I'm, I was born in Orlando, so Magic oh, technically go. came first. Okay, so I know I know you cover the Mavs a little bit more deeper, too. I didn't know if they were just a team you followed or if you were a fan of. So cool, so cool. Um, all right, so keep it pretty simple. Tell us a little bit about RJ Hampton. All I know is, is that he was in the same draft class as Killian Hayes, same draft class as James Wiseman, same draft class as Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart. Um, Sadiq Bay is no longer on the team, but now the Pistons have four guys from the 2020 draft class. I know he's 22 years old. I know he is 6'4". I know he fell out of the Orlando Magic's rotation this year. So outside of that, I don't know much about him. What should Pistons fans immediately know? Something that just comes off the top of your head that they should, they sh- that you think they should know about RJ Hampton? Yeah, I'll do a, a little bit of pros and cons. So the pros, I think it starts with his defense. He He's a good defender. I think he can guard one through two and some threes he can take the backcourt pretty easily though and then the passing I think is really nice he does need to brush up some stuff I think that's kind of where the pros end though at this moment I mean he's a really good defender I think that's enough alone to keep him on the court and I know what I'm saying is going to start sounding redundant to a certain Pistons guard um <laughs> I see the smirk so I think I might have hit it on the head but <laughs> I think you know the defense is good the passing is good now the passing this is where it leads into the cons is he jumps almost every time he's going to the rim. He's doing a jump pass. Like he give he has a tell in a lot of ways. Like if he's jumping, he's not going to be taking the layup. He's generally passing out of it. So he has a little bit of a tell. He's predictable. And he doesn't shoot. And and the worst part of all of this is like his decision making really comes and goes. There's times where he'll go stretches without turnovers for a few games. And then just one game, two games, he'll have three, four turnovers in 20 minutes. So it's a lot of give and take. Now that being said, it's hard to judge him because he was playing with four guards in front of him, three guards in front of him at times. So how much was it him trying to do too much with Detroit? I don't think it's necessarily going to be the same thing. All right. So I have a question. I'm just going to ask you a few questions then and let you take it from here. All right. So when the Pistons signed him, a lot of Pistons fans, I, I you know, obviously we went to Twitter. I was just seeing what fans and the community felt like. And some of the things I saw people who were trying to be positive about this, is that, oh, he's shooting 46% from the corners this year on corner threes. Last year, he shot 39% on corner threes. Is that something that 
uh, you believe is something that he's actually improved on and he can be a reliable shooter from out there? Or is it on such low volume that not really, you can't really read too much into it? Have you seen, I know that um, I saw James Edwards, the third of the athletic, the Detroit Pistons beat writer tweet out um, that he had been working with um, Mike Miller on his jump shot over the last few years yep. and that they were hopeful that they would start to see some increment improvements. Do you believe that you've seen increment improvements from him? Is that corner three-point shot legit, or is it low volume, can't really read too much into it? Yeah, so I have the the three-point shots by attempt uh, type in front of me. So catch and shoot for the year, he's only taken 49 attempts. He's 15 of 49, that's 30%. Off the dribble, he's 4 of 18, that's 22%. I'm trusting that over the corners. I do think he had a couple stretches. I think that was almost an anomaly because there was a few games where he was just lights out from three. And I think he was competing with Caleb Houston's minutes. And I think he had an edge to him with that. And then Orlando kind of stopped playing him. I think that might've just been a little bit of a hot stretch more than a true indicator. Now, that being said, I don't think RJ's shot is broken. I think he's best as you don't necessarily want him trying to shoot over defenders because he's three of 14 and guarded catch and shoot attempts, but the wide open ones, he's 34%. That's workable. You generally want to see that around 40 to 45%. So he's still got a ways to go, but it's something where if he made, if he went three of his next three, I mean, that number goes to 37 plus percent. All right. Next question is that he shot 52% on twos this year. Again, very low sample size. Is that something that you could look in to try to say that was a positive or is it just the same scenario, low volume? Don't read too much into it. I actually think that one's a real flash. He's got a lot of good moves with on drives just within the, the two point within the three point line where he gets to the paint. He has a nice spin. Again, he can kind of go out of control. I think that's where that number is limited. But I think the the rim scoring is actually a legit tool. He's so fast. He has a lightning quick first step. Teams know to sag off and kind of protect the drive a lot more than the three, which is what really ultimately hurts him. But you know, I think if you gave him a true lob target like Jalen Duran, for example, I think he would open up a lot for RJ Hampton to be just a quick, decisive finisher. All right. Uh, real quickly, you brought it up. How good of an athlete is RJ Hampton? I think he's good. He's above average for the NBA. I would say he's not going to have the explosiveness vertically that you look for, but in terms of quickness, I mean, just from his pre-draft evaluation, I vividly remember him being one of the quickest prospects in the class. I mean, when I saw him in person, just unreal first step back in high school, but even now he's still got a great first step. And I think that alone as a slasher is a good tool. And he uses that speed defensively too, where he's never out of a play. All right. So you brought up some pre-draft stuff and obviously it hasn't went how he expected for his NBA career. He hasn't played a ton since being traded over to Orlando. Um, let me just ask you real quick about some of the way, cause I know you do a, a bunch of draft stuff. What did you think of him pre-draft? Like what was the, the pros about him? What was some of the, you know, if he can reach this, he can really be the, like, how good did people, or did you think he could be? Cause it is rumored that the Pistons were pretty high on him heading into that draft. Now it sounds like the Pistons were high on damn near everybody in that 2020 class. So I don't know how much to read into that, but does, what were your, some, some of your overall thoughts on him pre-draft? Yeah. So he missed a lot of time. He had a really, I mean, just everywhere he's been, he's had an unfortunate circumstance. I mean, in 2020 COVID hit, which shut down the season and the pre-draft had messed a lot of stuff up. And on top of that, he was injured in Australia or excuse me, New Zealand in the NBL. And then you look at Orlando, bad situation where all these guards are getting priority over him. He really never got a fair chance, in my opinion. But, you know, I think um, I'm so sorry. I just blanked on the question. Koo. 
I, I was just asking, what was your thoughts on him pre-draft? Do you think he yes. can still reach yes. some of the things that people had for him pre-draft or were those pre-draft expectations that maybe even you had are just way too far out there that he needs to settle for something much lower? Yes. So sorry. So I think for him, it was always the jump shot. It was, he's quick. Can he be a great scorer? And the decision-making came and went. I thought that was attributed to youth. And I'm pretty sure he's still pretty young. Like he's only what, 23? He's, so, he's 22. Yeah, exactly. Like that's still fixable in my opinion. There's a lot of, there's going to be first rounders that are older than him this year. So to me, that's still fixable. I'm fine with that. But if you're looking for a tool that opens up everything else to improve his other areas, like his decision-making would get a lot better if he was a good shooter because he would be more confident in just multiple things. Whereas right now, I think he's only confident in his slashing and that hasn't changed from pre-draft. So I would say it's that that confidence plus shooting opens up a lot. All right, and then the final question, and we'll let you go. So obviously, you mentioned very earlier that this sounds a lot like a, a current Detroit Piston, and obviously Killian Hayes. And we watched Killian Hayes go through a good like two to three months where it looked like he was really turned the corner. He was starting to find his way. And over the last nine or ten games, his shooting has went really down. He's in a little bit of a – not a little bit, a pretty big slump. Um, and we're seeing some of those struggles again. Despite that, it sounds like the front office is still pretty high on him. He's obviously a priority for this team, but not just Killian Hayes, obviously. But then you have Jaden Ivey. You have Alec Burks who's in that backcourt. Where do you believe, from an outsider's looking in, where, where do you believe RJ Hampton's fitting in? Do you think he should get priority over a Killian Hayes? Should he get a priority over an Alec Burks at some point? Should they be trying to squeeze minutes for him there? Like, where do you, from an outsider's looking in, where do you think RJ Hampton's fitting in for the rest of this year with the Pistons? So he did sign a full rest of the season, right? Correct. Just make sure. So I think, I mean, there's about 10 more games, I think, where the Pistons are probably going to try and run their normal rotation. There's only like 20-something games left. It might even be just 20. And I think for sure, the second half of March to the end of the season, Archer's going to get a lot more run than Alec Burks. I would really hope that's the case uh, because this might be outright offensive, but I don't see the Pistons making the play in even. So, You're right. you know, they need to get the tank on, let RJ run. I would say the final 15 games, I would expect him to be playing north of 20 minutes a game. If, especially if the final 10, he's not, that's a really big red flag. I mean, he should be playing over Alec Burks. There's a chance that they might, might even start resting Ivy at some point because like, what's the, what's the risk in playing him at this point, even though there is a lot of growth for him to make. I think RJ is really good insurance for when you want to start truly uh, resting guys for better draft position. Okay. I know I said that was the last question, but I have actually one more question I want to ask you, and then we'll let you go. So a few years ago, Troy Weaver brought in Dennis Smith Jr. And Dennis Smith Jr., he played, but we I feel like all of us knew that Dennis Smith Jr. was not going to be on the Pistons long-term. That it was more of a the Pistons are giving him a, a tryout for the rest of the league. The rest of the league is going to see how he plays with the Pistons, and hopefully that will help him springboard his career for another team. Do you think that's more of what will be happening here with RJ? He tries to play well for the Pistons, showcase for other teams, or do you think there's a chance that he could be playing for the Pistons and locking down a, 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 a rotational role moving forward for them? Which one do you think is more likely? I think the showcase is more likely, but – Say that Detroit goes for a wing in the first round or with like that top pick, say they get like Cam Whitmore or something, they don't get Wembenyama or Scoot. It could be something where if he plays really well, he's at least going to stay on a preseason, I would think, unless the team really likes him and swoops him up and pays him a little bit nicer. But, you know, when you're at that, at the circumstance that RJ's in, I, I just don't see that happening. Um, so for me, I would say it's probably that he's showcasing 
again, if he plays out of his mind and he averages like, you know, 15 points a game or something or north of 10 and gets five assists with few turnovers, like that's going to be it is how many, what's his assist to turnover ratio that I think is going to be the difference maker. All right. Fair enough. Thank you, Richard, for coming on, man. I appreciate you. You guys can follow Richard over on Twitter at Mavs draft. He came on last second. Obviously none of us knew that the Pistons were going to sign RJ, but again, thank you, Richard, for coming on. We appreciate everything you brought all the insight. Um, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this and how RJ Hampton fits in with the Pistons and what, what kind of lineups you could be seeing from them. We'll talk about that when we get back. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Price Picks. So let's take, for example, let's say football is still going on. NFL season was still going on and the Pistons played the same day as, I don't know, the Detroit Lions. And let's say you want to take the over on Jane Ivey's points and assists. And you also want to take the over on Jared Goff's passing yards. Well, you can do that and put it into the exact same entry with Price Picks. And it's why it's my favorite daily fantasy option. You pick two to six players and see if they score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. That includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and believe it or not, there is more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational over 30 states and Canada. Download the PricePix app. Go to PricePix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 at PricePix. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on our podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So I hope you guys appreciate everything we heard from Richard. Obviously, Richard is way more knowledgeable in RJ Hampton's time in the league, specifically his time in Orlando. Um, I don't really want to talk too much myself about RJ the player because, again, this is I am recording this the same day as uh, the Pistons signed RJ Hampton. I have not watched the ton of RJ Hampton at all. I don't know much about him at all, so I'm not going to come on here and try to speak about stuff that I don't really know much about. That's why we got Richard on the first segment. What I want to talk about in the second segment is how does RJ Hampton fit in for the rest of the season? What kind of lineups could we be possibly seeing? And what does this say about Troy Weaver and what he's trying to do here? And what I actually want to start off with is what does this say about Troy Weaver and like what he's what he's doing in Detroit thus far? So I think it's quite clear that he's taking a lot of chances on people, a lot of players, but I think it's much deeper than that. And it's something that we've talked about a bit on this podcast, but we're going to talk about it even more here. People ask all the time. I've had a lot of people outside of Detroit Ask me, Koo, what do you think about Troy Weaver's time? What do you think that Troy Weaver's done? How do you think Troy Weaver's done in his time as the Pistons GM? We've seen a lot of Pistons fans say, has Troy Weaver proven to be a good GM? We have the whole trust in Troy movement. Then we have some people that are like, Troy's overweight or overrated. So what this is this brings me back, this move right here just brings me back, and so does the James Wiseman move. But and, and overall, his whole decisions of this past offseason, what he decided to do with this roster this year, it brings me back to this. This was my overall biggest takeaway, is that 
Troy Weaver has quite honestly been been playing with house money for the last three years. You want to be honest? That's just my opinion. He hasn't been asked to do anything that's going to cripple the franchise. Or, I mean, I guess he could have. He could do something that crippled the franchise, but he's avoided doing that, which is, I don't feel like that's too hard to do, to avoid doing anything big. He's avoided doing that. He hasn't made any real big-time moves. He hasn't, like, taken a a swing on, like, some big-time trade or anything. He hasn't done anything like that. He hasn't made some big splashes in free agency. His biggest move probably was drafting Cade Cunningham, and that was a bit of a gimme, even though some people believe it was a toss-up between him and Evan Mobley. I think Cade Cunningham was the gimme at that point. So... What this move and the James Wiseman move, all that stuff brings me back to is that this offseason is where it's really going to matter for Troy Weaver because I think that whole just taking chances on guys is done. It's It was cool year one. It was cool year two. It was cool year three. It's cool all these years because they're not trying to win yet. They're trying to identify core players. They're trying to identify talented players to move forward with. But if you guys remember before this season, I said – that the point of this season, the whole point of it, was not to win, was not to compete for the play-in, none of that stuff. It was simply to figure out who can be on this team moving forward, who should be considered part of the core, and who do we build around. That's what it was all about. And we've already seen them decide Sadiq Bey could not be built around. Sadiq Bey does not fit. We don't like his play style. We moved on from him. That's what they decided. That's what they used this season for. They came to a conclusion with that with Sadiq Bey. They're about to find out with James Wiseman for the rest of the year. Seems like they're going to try at least a little bit to find out with RJ Hampton, which we'll talk about that in a few minutes here. Um, But even Stu, they're trying to do the same thing with Stu, figure out if he can be a piece moving forward. They're trying to figure out which Killian Hayes is the real Killian Hayes, the one we saw over the last two to three months, or the one we saw over the last 10 games and 11 games. They're trying to figure out, can he be a backup moving forward? Can he be a viable player for us moving forward? They're trying to do that with all these players. And while you're doing that, you can take swings on guys who haven't worked out somewhere else. Bring them in and just give them minutes and say, screw it. Can you guys be a part of the future? If not, okay, kick you to the side real quick. Good luck for the rest of your career. If so, okay, we'll bring you back for another year. Kind of like how they did with Diallo. Diallo had a team option. They brought him back on. He's played pretty well. I don't know if he if they feel like he's part of the future, but you guys get my point. That's what they did with Diallo. Frank Jackson didn't work out. Um, Josh Jackson didn't work out. Julio Okafor didn't work out. A lot of these guys didn't work out. Looks like Diallo worked out from that signing uh, class, that free agency. But my overall point is, during this time, you can take these kind of swings. This offseason, they don't have the they don't have the luxury of taking those swings. So next year, they need to be improving. They need to be playing better. They need to be competing for a play-in, playoff spot, one of those kind of things. And they really need to surround Kay Cunningham with players and a roster that makes sense. So I don't think you'll see I, – I, will they make a swing on a player or take a chance on a player they believe is good? Yeah, they might, but I don't think you'll see anywhere near as much – of it as we've seen the best the last three years. I don't think you'll see guys they're they're taking a chance on. Like if they do take a chance on a guy, I don't think it's gonna be someone they intend on giving a ton of minutes to, unless they really believe that they can impact immediately. I think next year, this whole rebuilding, this whole improvement, development kind of stuff, not saying that they won't care about it. I think it will start to take a little bit of a step back and winning will start to move forward a little bit. Cause you can't they need to be competing for something with Cade next year. So that's just what this all the Wiseman move, this Hampton move. That's what it really brought me back to is that, man, these last three years hasn't really anything important really had to happen. But this offseason, we're going to need to see some important stuff, not just swings on guys that may work out, may not. We need to see some viable players actually join the roster. Anyways, let's talk about some lineups and how RJ Hampton could even be used. So when the signing was first made, I, I was confused. I didn't know 
actually confused isn't the right word because when it was said that he might get waived initially, everyone was like, Pistons would be a good spot for him. Pistons would be a good spot for him. He'd get some minutes. They were high on him pre-draft, yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. So I shouldn't say confused, but what I was is, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know how exactly he'll be used. I don't know exactly how they can use him because he's not going to take priority over Jane Ivey. He's not going to take priority over Killian Hayes. He's not probably not even going to take priority over Alec Burks until, like Richard mentioned earlier, like the last 10 games of the year. So until you get to those final 10 games, what's the, how are you using him? How is he getting minutes? So I think the best way that this lineup that I came up with is, I think eventually killing Pike, I think outside the, after the all-star break, I'm trying to say, my goodness, Killian Hayes gets moved to the bench and they'll move Burks into the starting lamp to try to balance the lineups out with point guard play so they don't have to play Kojo anymore. So I guess you could see Ivy, Burks, Boyan, Stu, Duran, and then run a lineup of Killian, Hampton, Hami, Livers, and Wiseman. However, my concern is, is that with that bench lineup, if Hampton's not a good shooter, Killian's been extremely on and off. Either he's a good shooter, a really good shooter, or he's a piss poor one. It, it's never in between. It's always either really good or really bad. Hami's a non-shooter completely. Livers is a good shooter. And then Wiseman also is a non-shooter. So it's like, I don't know how that lineup works. And I don't think they're going to stagger. We've seen that Dwayne Casey's obsessed with the 10-man rotation. Likes he's going uh, five, five out, five in basically at, uh, throughout games. So I think that's the lineup we'll probably see. I just don't know how successful that that can be. I don't know if that's really even giving any of those five guys in that lineup a real chance to really succeed. Uh, you need spacing. This team, you you have to have spacing at some point, man. You just have to. So, or maybe they go with, I mean, it could be possible that they stick with Killian and Ivy in the front court. They go Killian, Ivy, Boyan, Stu, Duran, And then they just run Burks, the backup point guard, Hampton next to him, Hami, Livers, Wiseman. There definitely would be much better spacing across both lineups. But then you're going with Burks as, a, as like your backup point guard. And they kind of, it looked like they don't want to do that. They did it for a little bit and then they moved Killian to the bench to try to get that backup point guard. But then they move Killian back to the starting lineup. I, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they move some, one of these guys out the rotation completely, then stagger Killian and Ivy as the, as the point guard duties. Who knows? I think it's going to be real interesting to see how they do it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried because not only do they need to figure out how to give Hampton some minutes now, obviously you have to give Wiseman some minutes. I'd like to see Wiseman and Duran. It feels like a lot of stuff that the coaching staff is going to have on their plate. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't trust they'll be able to handle all these things on their plate for the rest of the year while trying to maximize all of it at once, too. So I don't know how they're going to do it. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on that. Let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Hill. When we come back, I want to say something that I want to you know, give Troy Weaver a hand for. I want to applaud some of these moves he's made. For a very specific reason, I'm going to tell you guys when we get back what that is. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Built Bar. You're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise the taste, then man, I got the thing for you. You got to try Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you, but they are. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for stars, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. 
I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better that they are healthy for you. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been telling you to go to Built.com to get your Built Bars. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, and coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in. Grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. So you can check out Built.com. You can go to Walmart or Sam's Club to try the best-tasting protein bar out there. That is Built Bar. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. I'm going to just real quick. I had so many of you guys. So just real quickly, um, I, I, I had tweeted out and said that I was like I mentioned earlier. I was trying to trim my beard, and I ended up having to shave it because I messed it up. And I had so many of you guys go to my DMs, tweet at me, go in the comments on the YouTube channel, and be like, "I can't wait for the next episode to see what this is about to be like." So, if I see any comments, I'm blocking y'all. I'm just gonna say that. If I see any comments, I'm blocking y'all. Y'all gotta leave me alone. Don't need none of that. But the move that I want to talk about, that or not the move, but what Troy Weaver has done, that I really think was the best thing about all these moves. The biggest takeaway, what I think it is, is that he's given Pistons fans a reason to watch for the rest of the year. Now, I know people are going to be like, Coop, that does not matter. It does not matter at all to the team building. It does not matter at all for next year. It doesn't matter at all the offseason. It doesn't matter at all when it comes to winning in the future. Why does that matter at all? And I'll tell you guys this. You guys are 100% right. It doesn't do a damn thing for next year. It doesn't do a damn thing for this offseason. But damn it, it does something for us. We have to watch this team for the rest of the year. And everyone who is listening to this podcast, who's watching this podcast, you will be absolutely lying. I, I've read your comments. I've read your guys' DMs you guys have sent me. I've read your tweets. I've read all of it. All, everything you guys send me, I've read all of it. And there was a good month stretch there where you guys were talking about how you guys didn't, watch this, didn't even want to watch this team no more. You didn't have no fun watching this team no more. You talked about how it felt like more of a burden to watch this team than it was fun. And first of all, I just want to say it should never get like that. This is entertainment at the end of the day. These sports teams, your favorite sports teams, are supposed to bring you happiness, not suck the life out of you every time they play. But that's how you guys were saying they were for a good month there. But then Wiseman came, and the engagement soared, and everyone that was watching the games, there were so many more people watching the game, so many people engaging with the Pistons, so many people at the Pistons game to try to see Wiseman. That brought so many Pistons fans back to the team and gave them a reason to watch the rest of the year. Let's see how Wiseman looks. I'm excited for this four-man number two overall pick. Can the Pistons turn him around? And then R.J. Hampton's brought to the team, which he obviously he's not in the same name, like brand name as James Wiseman, but it's a move nonetheless. Any move would have done anything for Pistons fans. They could have made literally the smallest move possible. They could have went out and waived Corey Joseph and then signed I don't know. They could have signed Payne Seaver or something. They like <laughs> literally they could have signed any kind of guy like that that the Pistons have had over the years that are just like third point guards or whatever. They could have done anything like that, and that would have brought eyes and made people want to watch the Pistons again simply because it was changed, simply because there was a reason to watch that they hadn't seen beforehand. And again, it may not matter for the future. It may not matter for actual team building, but it matters for a lot of you guys. It matters for a lot of fans. 
it matters for a lot of people who tune in to the games every single day. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. Not going to lie. With the with the suffering and, and the losses and some of the terrible play, selfishness that we've seen at times from this team this year, you guys deserve a damn break. You guys deserve some kind of happiness, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the future. And maybe not happiness, but some kind of entertainment. Entertainment level is the better word. Not happiness, entertainment. And you guys are going to get that for the rest of the year. How is Wiseman going to play? What lambs are they going to play with Wiseman? Who does he fit with? Does he show some promise? RJ Hampton, how does he fit in? Is they going to play him? Can they revive his career? Is he a piece of the future? Like all that kind of stuff gives you guys reasons to watch. And I think that probably is my biggest takeaway from this deadline, from the trade deadline, from the little waiver wire, from the buyout market, all that kind of stuff. The Pistons, thank God, they gave Pistons fans a reason to watch them. Gave me a reason to feel a little bit more energetic with the team every day. It was getting tough there for a minute. It was getting tough, but we got some reasons to watch for the rest of the year. And that, at the end of the day, is what this is all about, having fun and being entertained. And I think they did that at the deadline with Wiseman and with signing Hampton. So hopefully they actually turn into good moves for like winning in the future. Hopefully that happens. But for in the moment, it's I think it's okay for everyone to be in the moment and say, you know what? Even if this doesn't work out in the offseason, they end up moving on from these guys. At least it made the last 20 or so games worthwhile for us. And I think that's important, to be honest. So that's all I've got for you guys today, though. Thank you guys for listening to Locked On Pistons, making it your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Uh, we're on our road to 5,000 subscribers. We're just under 400. I think we're at 350 subscribers away. So definitely hit that subscribe button over there. I'd really appreciate it. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Go Pistons. Until next time, peace out. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now for April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area in April 1st, 2024.